0: A Mean and Imply Productions podcast. Hello and welcome to Off Watch Chatter, the show where we go below decks of whatever show's on right now and relax down below, crack open a bit of grog or some other kind of refreshing beverage, play a dice game. Who knows? It's Off Watch Chatter. We do whatever we want, we're off watch. I'm your host, Paul, normally your DM, joined by the one and only, and you may know her from our main co- podcast feed, Claire Hogan. Claire Hogan plays the wonderful, incredible Sir the Quarry, known to only her closest friends and intimates as Roan, uh, and does many other wonderful things on the internet. Uh, you can check out Clarity Time and all the other things that she makes. She is a mover and feeler, a creator of of many kinds and she joins us here today. Hi Claire. Hi Paul. (laughs) Thanks. First and foremost you've got a lot happening in your life. You're very busy. You do hard work and thanks for making the time to come and sit here in the off watch time and space. It's just lovely to chat with you.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) What I'm wondering today is if you'd send us a little picture a little scene of the first time you ever played a tabletop role-playing game. Tell me tell me what it was like. Tell me what should I imagine? How did you get started doing this crazy wild hobby that we're now um, you know, making stories for the the whole darn internet to consume?
1: The year is 2000 or maybe 2001 or maybe it's 2002. My dad couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> the scene I will set for you is the long the long hazy August in Ontario <laughs> oh. and we're at my grandma's cottage by oh. the lake and um, and I, s- I suppose I- out of I-, I don't know I don't know what compelled him in that summer of 2000 but uh, or he, 2001 or 2002 or 2001 <laughs> or 2002 I'm either 12 13 or 14 no okay. I'm not 14. I'm either twelve or thirteen, okay. um, and because by fourteen, I, I just know by fourteen I was in grade ten, and I was like voraciously reading all of the three uh, edition th- edition three manuals. Like I don't know, I I don't know when three point five came out, but I remember it coming out and having to learn some new things. So I definitely started on three, um, but for whatever reason, he decided to bring all of his second edition AD&D books and miniatures and dice uh, up to the cottage Mm. and uh, run a game for his kids. And in prep for this off-watch chatter, I called my dad and asked him, I was like, do you remember when you ran... Do you remember when you ran this game for us? Like, do you remember... I was like, did you do this for us for more than one summer or just one summer? Because, like, my childhood brain... Like, it really could have been multiple summers, and I just remember one. Or it could have been just, like, one day, and I remember several summers full, right? Because we also, you know, at the cottage, we also played a lot of, you know, risk we would have endless games of Risk going on. We would take up an entire picnic table, an indoor picnic table with a with a Risk board. And eventually, we got Lord of the Rings Risk, and we combined it with regular Risk. And you were able to just maximize your continental risk expansion. <laughs> and it would go for month, mu- like it would go for the whole month of August. And everyone would cheat and add extra like characters to it. So, the point is, is that like elaborate games that take up an entire picnic table uh, in yeah. the in the on the porch were like a staple of my, <laughs> I guess, yeah. childhood. Yeah, which is what happens when like you're raised by nerds. But um, hmm. I asked him if he could remember, and he was like, "I don't know." I was like, "Well, how little were we?" And he was like, "Well, you weren't that little. Like, you all could talk." <laughs> and so, <laughs> I was of like, course, well, you. Could. What
0: a window
1: to give. I I was like, okay, so from three ish, four ish (laughs) up to 15, how old do you think that we all were? And my siblings and I were all two years apart, a year and and a half, two years apart. So I was like, how old were we all? And he was like, I don't know. You were tweenies, tweeny, tweenagers. (laughs) Um,
0: So so my best
1: guess is that either we were, we were either nine, 11, and 13. Or we were like 8, 10, and twelve, and <sighs> I, 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 I'm not I'm not totally sure because I remember, I remember being in middle school, I yeah. think, but I feel like I was younger. But like I'm like between grade six and grade eight is yeah. when this happened. And
0: so you're uh, you're in this cottage. You're you know <laughs> there's there's a picnic table nearby full of risk. That's very clear. Full of multiple mm-hmm. continents of risk, and. What what do you remember it feeling like playing? And this was second edition that you were playing at this point, right? With your with, or was this three three? And I this can't
1: we played second edition. Okay,
0: yet. what do you, what did it feel like? What are your memories like? Like what's it like?
1: He told us that uh, he was just like, okay, kids, we're gonna play a game. You have to create a character. Wow. And <laughs> so I created a ranger named uh, Titania. <laughs> <laughs> right so i i must have been i know in grade eight we did a midsummer night's dream so maybe i'm in grade eight yeah um sounds sounds like a good reason sounds possible yeah it sounds good so yeah and i remember him being like well a ranger's kind of a specialty class claire if you don't get the roles you'll have to play a fighter and this is from this is from yeah second edition was like if you didn't get He was like, you're going to have to get two rolls, 15 or higher, in order to play a ranger. Otherwise, you're going to have to be a fighter. Um, But, you know, I read all about rangers, and that was what I decided I wanted to be. And uh, I prayed for the rolls, and I got them. Yes! Uh, It was deeply (laughs) satisfying. (laughs) And terrifying. Um, Mm -hmm. My little sister played a druid. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And I believe my brother played either a fighter or a cleric. Okay. Um, I think he played a fighter, because I remember my dad then had to make an NPC named Thordon the Dwarf that then rounded out the party. So he made an evil cleric <gasps> to travel with us. Wow. Um, my mom played a monk, uh, and uh, when I asked her about it, she was like, All I remember is that your father killed me off in time for me to go make dinner for everyone. So... <laughs> ah! <laughs> so-
0: practical <laughs> and cruel incredible <laughs> yeah
1: uh but I know that we played enough games for like I managed to invite one of my, my 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 one of my childhood neighborhood best friends up to the you know she came up to the cottage every year with us and she invited me on her f- family camping trip where we'd go to Algonquin Park and her, yeah. and her older cousin would run games for us like in a tent and the wow. parents would be like can the kids please go play outside and it'd be like no they <laughs> me in a tent all day, a twelve-person ten all day playing D and D. So, so it was in it was in the air of my middle school uh-huh. time, and um, yeah, I remember. I remember. I think, I think, I think my friend Melissa made a character named Atlant- Atlanta. I, I think okay. some kind of wizard. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is, is that? Well, <laughs> my dad I- tolerated friends joining this game.
0: Yeah, well, and I guess another thing that's interesting, so, like, friends can join, your mom gets killed off all the time, but do you you remember, like, do you remember it being, you've talked about the characters that they made a lot, which is interesting. Like, you remember the characters is, like, where the fun was, or was it, like, in, because you also mentioned he had miniatures, like, was the fun in the, like, tactical game that you were playing? There was
1: tactical game for sure. There was like how far you could walk, like what you were wearing.
0: Um,
1: And he had a module. um, Okay. And I remember going to the game store, I think in Ottawa, it's called Fandom 2. Uh, I I think they're still in business. I don't know. It's Fandom 2 Plug. It's a solid store. Yeah. Um, Check them out. But I remember my favorite parts were when he would read the flavor text. That was like, yeah, he'd read the flavor text and we'd be in the world. And, yeah. um, and I just remember that we constantly made terrible choices, like, <laughs> like, like that. And I just remember how we handled them, which was like, um, I think someone, I think either my brother or Melissa mouthed off to the guards. And before we knew it, we were thrown in jail. And so there were like immediate consequences for a sort mm. of um, non, <laughs> not non-medieval etiquette <laughs> that <Yeah>. we would <laughs> that we would get ourselves into. And I remember, I just remember kind of constantly being like, "How are we going to get ourselves out of this situation?" Interesting. And, yeah. Uh, and feeling, uh, I don't know that there was a kind of. Effortlessness to the reality, but figuring out what the reality was and figuring out what you could push, um, is kind of wild. And I have since run games with like yeah. younger, with, with like teenagers, and uh, and like I don't know how my dad was so strict with us, like in terms of like he being like, Oh, you said something <laughs> snippy to the guards, you're in jail, straight now. to jail, like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Like, I just, I've had to be really, in order for the story to progress, I've had to be really, Mm. like, go with the flow compared to, uh, compared to what I remember experiencing as, like, kind of constantly being in trouble (laughs) for, like, (laughs) (laughs) but it wasn't, like, a trouble, like, we, like, no, you know, not the kind of trouble where adults are mad at you, but just the kind of trouble where you're, like, I don't know does anyone know how to pick the lock like does do we have that as a this-
0: Yeah I mean it's funny to hear also that he was writing a module because if I was running a, something for a group like if I just showed up at random with a group of teenagers whatever and had to do something and had nothing prepped I would throw them in jail right away and see how they'd get out right like I you know like I would let them get themselves in trouble because I'd be like I don't have enough I don't have anything planned but it's, he had a plan. He had a thing to do. But he was interested in those consequences. There right? was
1: entirely. There were entire other things that we were supposed to do.
0: And right. getting
1: thrown in jail, I don't believe, was like a significant part of Not part the module. Of the plan.
0: Yeah. Wild. Like
1: I, I. A couple of years later, I went and read the thing, and I was yeah. like, none of this. My whole experience of this world was off script. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's all flavor text. It's all just. It's all just my experience. Yeah, wild. I mean I and so, so point at this, like now that you've run games and it's been a little while since you've been a teenager. Like how do you think you've been like a growing or while. <laughs> <laughs> not long. <laughs> not long. What's time? Time's nothing. We're all teenagers at spirit, hopefully not. Um like how have you grown or changed? Like what your love of games specifically? I know you've grown and changed in lots of other ways. We don't have to get into all of those. But specifically with games like what? What is now, What has changed from like what was really fun then to what's more fun now, or nothing? Like what's really fun for games now, for you?
1: Well, I think I'll just walk you through the chronology of of it all uh, to answer that question. So, please. I remember. I think probably summer of grade nine. I we were at the cottage again and. Um, and I was like, okay, so are you are you running a game for us this summer? And my dad was just like, no, I'm, no, I'm not interested in doing I'm that. I'm on vacation. <laughs> he's like, I'm on vacation. I'm going to play Neverwinter Nights.
0: Oh. And,
1: <laughs> and so I, it sort of fell to me. If I wanted to play any more Dungeons & Dragons, then I was going to have to make it happen. And um, I was like, okay, well, I want to run the games. And he was like, well, I guess we should buy. He's like, I guess there's some new D&D stuff out, so we should go. We should go get you that stuff. So he so bought... So dope. He bought me all of the... Uh, either 3 or 3.5 books. And... Uh, and, like, for whatever reason, encouraged this hobby, which yeah. uh, he super discouraged once I was in grade 12. And he was like, if you would spend half the time on your homework that you spend on D&D, you could actually get into university on a scholarship. Uh, but there was no stopping me by then. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back,
0: yeah, I've been <laughs> back there. in grade
1: 9, I spent the summer reading and just, like, memorizing. Mm. I was trying to take in as much as I could. And this is, like, you know, before we have the internet. So there's right. really... You Nothing. gotta know it
0: from the book, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so just reading as much as I could. And then by grade 10, I had pulled together my community theater friends, my, like, uh, art school friends for the arts high school that I briefly went to before getting kicked out, and the, <laughs> and my Catholic high school friends. And there were enough, like, <laughs> nerdy theater kid, like, um, yeah, either, the, like nerdy theater kids combined with magic gamers uh, that were down to play Dungeons & Dragons kind of, it, it's not like it, you know, it's not the, it's not the 80s, it wasn't like the, the, it's, you know, we're not that old, it wasn't like yeah. d- dealing with the satanic panic, but it wasn't yeah. cool, right. it wasn't like d- but it wasn't like super uncool because there was no like definitive stigma, it was just sort of un-
0: unknown, yeah, unknown. kind of strange <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yes wow, well. and hmm?
0: Wow, I'm just saying wow, just yeah. marveling so, at the image of it. I,
1: wow, I feel like since then I've like played. You know, I have a I have a real love of games. I worked at a Board Games Cafe for a while. I really love the thematic like thematic mm. games are where it's at for yeah. me. Yeah, um, I will never be a good Magic player. I will not do the math in advance. Um, so mm-hmm. unless you're willing to, you know, I I am terrible at chess. It's not thematic enough, but I'll play. <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny you say that cuz I will make up thematic storylines of chess while I play it. Like I will be like imagining the heroic journey of a pawn as it like does wild. Like I'm like it, like to that is what I have to do to make chess interesting. And it's funny maybe to I would play hear. chess
1: if you were obligated to narrate the inner world of the pawn in order to facilitate his one step.
0: I must defend the king. Here I go to defend the king.
1: Hi-ya! Yeah. This is the only way that my family can eat bread tonight is if I fight for the... oh,
0: <laughs> My life my is sacrifice, <laughs> but I can leap once. <laughs> exactly once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so, well, I guess how do you, as you took over the game, right? As you evolved from player for one or more summers and wanted to be like actually running the game. How do you feel like your... Um, the flavor of games you were playing changed like from what your dad was doing. Everyone's in jail all the time to like what you were running, like what was the, what shifted or what changed when you took the helm?
1: Gosh. Well, I, my group of friends was mostly, mostly girls. Um, so I feel like I had a very different experience than my brother who also took up the role of dungeon master. So, we both DM'd games. I DM'd on Friday nights after school, and my friends would all come over, and then we'd have a massive sleepover. Uh, and then my brother would DM on Saturdays. So my parents just essentially committed to the fact that they're nerdy children, who I think they were like a little socially worried about us. And then they were like, okay, no, they seem to be able to gather a large group of friends, and, and so good for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you how did it evolve? I certainly love I, I loved modules. Yeah. Like uh so I didn't homebrew stuff, I think, until I got into until I was like hmm. grade twelve and I felt like I'd run modules for a solid two and a half years. Smart strategy, um, honestly.
0: That's that's the way to go. I didn't do that and I regret it. <laughs> that's good. That's a good that was a good move.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's <laughs> Well, I feel like with the level of video games and general storytelling that we're exposed to now, like, I just, I mean, I guess I played Final Fantasy and Baldur's Gate, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, in fairness, Baldur's Gate is, like, is also training completely for D&D games and stuff like that, but, um... I think the differences were that I let my players be as extravagant with their characters as their hearts desired. And mm. because we were a group of teenagers, there was like a shit ton of identity exploration and like gender and sexuality exploration, exploration happening within um, within our Friday night games of so. like, uh, oh gosh, I know that I, I know that I learned I I mean I went and I got like a, a theater degree in community theater when I graduated high school, but I feel like D and D with teenagers just like taught me the most about group facilitation. Uh especially given that like I sir I had I had neuro very neurodivergent players, including myself, but like we had folks with like real oppositional defiance stuff. Like so there would be people were like my friends, my like dear friends were like it was like um Oh, navigating these little power dynamics. It was like this crash course in how are people gonna to respond to me as a DM and when they've created, you know <laughs> what are you gonna do when you have like a party of lone wolf? <laughs> what are you gonna do with a party of Kristen Stewart's? Like how are so you so
0: edgy or so sad or a little bit of both.
1: <laughs> I mean and it was just finding way like finding way like I probably worked overtime as a DM to sort of figure out um i mean it's all part of it right like it's like that feeling of being like oh my player doesn't want to do this so how do i get them to want to do it and then coming yeah. around to being like it's a it's a collaboration so how do yeah. i hold the boundaries that i actually expect them to also figure out a way to play the game that i've made yeah. and but i'll still meet them and uh and i've come along i just i've come a long way with that um yeah and then i i don't know that i necessarily took a break from games but it definitely took a i i after university i didn't have while i was sort of seeking some life direction i didn't really have the time and i was traveling so much that i didn't have the space to hold capacity for a game so i was a player in a lot of different games so Mm -hmm. um when i was living in england i played in a call of cthulhu game really regularly and that was really fun because like it was a rdm was a he was in school for um Creative writing, oh, and his whole wow. thing was like fiction writing. So yeah. his his worlds were uh, deep and terrifying, <laughs> and <laughs> and we can talk about that on another off watch chatter. But so oh, yeah. like we're gonna learning, <laughs> we're gonna learning <laughs> learning how to scale your sense of mortality from like yeah. a D anD D thing to Call of Cthulhu to Pathfinder, just your or to uh, what's that one Exalted where you're just oh, yeah. mini gods. Right. So just like figuring out what the game expects from you in terms of what you're capable of and how nitty-gritty or how fantastical.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and then just, you know, games for actors and non-actors being, like, sort of something I was supposed to actually learn about for <laughs> getting a degree.
0: <laughs> uh, that's, for anyone not in the know, that's an Augusto Boal book that is, like, a book of games that are, like, exercises in a, in a series that he put them in to, like, play. To, yeah, so you were supposed to learn about that. Go on. Uh,
1: oh, like, just, like, just... Just like the world, you know. i I, if I had never gone to university, I, I, I can't imagine why I would have ever stopped playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I like to. There's in an alternate timeline somewhere. I'm just aggressively writing and self-publishing modules. But because I joined the larger world, which now, what's the point? It let me back in the bubble. But uh, come
0: back. <laughs> you can write modules. Well, okay. okay. We're gonna talk about Call of the Cthulhu. We're gonna talk about writing modules in another off wash Shatter. We're planning. We for will. Months. We'll this talk about great. all
1: of them. But I do feel like getting the, getting the theater degree to lead to a more well-rounded sense of how yeah. to engage mm. a, a gaming mindset for people that aren't um, particularly motivated by, like,
0: numbers or stories, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's fa- that's such a fascinating problem, like, to approach, like, as a DM, I have a thing, how do I get my players to want to do it? I, I, you don't have to, like, you know, reveal anything too specific unless you want to. Like, but what are some tactics you use to, like, connect and, and or what are the boundaries you'd in place to be like, look, I have this story. You need to want to do it. Like, how did you solve that? How did you get over that bridge?
1: Uh, by kidnapping characters <laughs> from their backstories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <And> uh, implicating... <laughs> Their loved ones directly. Nice. Again, this is because these were role players, right? So the, yeah, the, the hindrance I was encountering was role playing specific. But because mm. it was role playing specific, it meant that they had already like sent me their seven page word document of their <sighs> character's backstory, and so I was <laughs> able to pull things. From that. And I remember there being some tension of like, of like, hey, who are you to like play with my backstory? And I was like, I'm the dungeon master.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's like, why would you send it to me if you didn't want me to play with it? Right. Like it's a it's part of the world now. I'm in charge of the world. That's such a funny response of like you gave it to me to involve you there. I used it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's such right. a funny. So way. I feel like it was it was about coming into that sense of like I'm the dungeon master. This is the world that I've created. Mm. If I'm going to put in 8 hours of prep a week, like, you know, essentially like 2 hours after school or like on every school break or like every every moment that I can to be prepping for this game, yeah. then uh then the trade-off is that like you respect the world that I've made mm. and uh sort of finding that thing of being like it, like of that that weird thing of being like I'm not catering this world to for you and also being like I'm exactly catering this world for you like this weird juxtaposition of being like okay you've demanded this from me I'm gonna give it to you, uh but but on my terms
0: on my I don't know how to yeah. describe it but yeah. basically
1: it felt like taking this sort of reasons for obstacles and then. Um, and then, like, fi- like finding the resistance, and then saying yes to the resistance, which is a cheesy way of saying that. But that was yeah. the way that I found through. So, oh, wow. um, you know, and I had I had players call me out on it too. I remember that. I remember there was a power gamer. I had a, I had a power gamer, and he snuck in. He I I okayed him being some kind of. Oh, I can't think. It's like a fallen paladin of some kind. It's like some sort of
0: they call it maybe now oathbreaker. Is that is that so the word the word they used or something or yeah fallen paladin. Okay,
1: he got was it. Some I'm following. Of- some kind of Fallen Helden, and he'd also snuck in. I think honestly, being I don't know if he was a vampire or some sort of vampire hybrid oh. thing, but he had snuck this like mega overpowered thing into my game, and I didn't see that coming yeah. because I'd been like playing with role players for so long. So all I pictured was like, cool, you're gonna be like oh. And Twilight hadn't come out, so he wasn't gonna be sparkly, but he was gonna be pale and encumbered by the daylight, and I was okay yeah. with that. But then it came with a bunch of like mega stats. And so, and so, essentially, uh, I I didn't know how to solve the mess I'd created. So essentially, everything that fought him had a higher AC and <laughs> had higher hit points than any time anyone else fought it. And he called me on that. And he was like, why are the monsters way harder to hit when I go to hit them than when they are when the other players go to hit them? And I was like, well, is are you playing the game to be better than our friends? Like, is the point, is, is the reason that you're playing the game is because you want to show our friends that you are better at numbers and, like, having more things than them? Because I let you in with all this stuff that I did not fact check beforehand, and that's on me. So... In order for us all to be in the same world together, and you're playing like, you know, these are, (laughs) I don't even know, you might as well be like 10 levels ahead. Um, Things are going to be harder for you than they are for the others, and that's actually fair. And he felt like it was decidedly unfair, but that was because what he wanted out of the game was to be better than others, which was not an acceptable motivation for me. Um, Totally. And... Uh, yeah, they gave me a lot, uh, and then I eventually I ended up beefing everyone else up with items yeah. so that they could all encounter things on a similar playing field. But for the first couple times, it was like, why Sorry. can Mika fly and also attack twice? And, <laughs> and I was like, I've made a grievous error.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, and like as a DM, that starts to be like, you know what? Guess what? Everyone in the world wants to kill you now like they don't want to kill any of your friends they want to kill you good Mm -hmm. luck you know it's like and it's it's just so hard to yeah i think that's a perfectly like finding the way to like lift everyone else up or to like add extra challenge to the person that has brought that you know that didn't go away 3.5 was super like there were ways you could build true things that were just like truly better in a way that's like Mm. that i think some of the direction of of fifth edition ended up and fourth and fifth ended up going in a like a little bit they tried to be a little bit more like you can do anything and it's all fine. There are still people who bring these like wild multi-classes that are like, oh, God, if this all works like it should, it's, you know, it's, you it's know, It's a bit five- game-breaking. Exactly. It's fully so game-breaking. So when
1: you go, as a player, when you go and break the game, then I, as a DM, just break the game to meet you. At, yeah, exactly. You know, level playing. Like it's... Like Like, get right back. I love that. I just like, and and there's no reason why I should have to like, as a DM, like I'm not gonna. I refuse to like add that layer of stress. That's like, oh no, everyone, all the other six people at the table are having a bad time. Like, (laughs) we're gonna just like balance it out with, uh, Hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, So that was that's been my. So I have some really, like, I have some really flexible flexible thinking about these things like I I ran I had a coworker I had a coworker D&D game and inspired by yourself running a um, over the garden wall Halloween oh yeah D&D session I decided to do the same and Paul built all these stat blocks they were great I just borrowed all of them <laughs> oh, cool. and then oh, go ahead. through my D through, it was like it. yeah collaborative dming um so I I ran a game like that and um if you haven't seen the show, there's a big spooky tall pumpkin in a barn, and oh, yeah. that was one of our uh, big bad guys. And uh, my players just set the barn on fire from the outside, right? Ah, so, ah, ah, <laughs> so I feel like I feel uh, like there are some mindsets that are like, oh, well, they they should be rewarded for such clever thinking, and like they don't have to do the combat. But the experience I wanted to provide was of. Was of a specific terrifying combat, so yeah. all that then happened is the creature broke out of the inferno barn, and now the combat takes place throughout the village, which yeah. you can then just like quickly sketch out. Yeah. Um, so I it's just cool. feel like there are there are times to rewar- to to do the reward, being like, "Cool, you circumvented the fight," but they weren't. They've none of them had seen the show, so none of them knew what they'd. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what they would miss, yeah, exactly. I
1: needed the satisfaction of bringing that bad guy, and he had songs and everything. So,
0: oh, he had songs. Oh, it's yeah, it's so terrible when you're just like, cool. All this prep, just gonna put it over here, save it for later. Hopefully, yeah. It's um, what what do you think makes, in a sense, like you're sort of pointing at this thing of like, it's a weird challenge with D and D. There are moves players can make that are really creative or sort of avoid a combat or change the flow of what's going to happen and as DMs we want to reward those and they're often very exciting moments and I I feel like you've already pointed at least one of them but sort of my question is twofold like what's your advice for players who want to play like that to like play in the way that they like see and circumnavigate and change and then also what's your advice for DMs to like deal with players that are creatively encountering the world like how like how do we how do you learn to do that
1: i think that you like get clear on the experience that you want to provide
0: you did say that and so totally. so
1: it's not that no matter what the players do they get the prescribed experience it's like that you are clear that if you have a challenge and you want them to face the challenge because you've given that challenge some really great um plot lines and to, to 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 advance the plot of the story so you need them to encounter encounter this thing then yeah. then that then that encounter just gets as clever as the players are to meet them. Yeah. So I think that for a player wanting to circumvent circumstances like by setting a barn on fire so they don't have to fight the thing um I mean, oh, the DM in me is just like suddenly that monster gets a certain kind of fiery bonus. Exactly. It suddenly becomes enhanced by the attempt to circumnavigate the thing, which is not designed as like a,
0: huh? That monster, the one we're talking about, it's a cobalt press monster, literally has an ability where he lights on fire and all his attacks do additional fire damage. So essentially he just got a free one.
1: (laughs) Right. So it's not even, it's not even an exaggeration in this, this circumstance we're using, but I think that like what's, what's important, like oh my gosh when a player wants to like it's like the rewarding the player for their ingenuity by mm. sort of <laughs> making it look like things are going to go their way and then things go horrendously worse yeah. it's just it's just so i mean this obviously requires a level of trust built between the dm mm. and the players to know that like i saw what you were trying to do and i worked it in to create an even better story than yeah. what i was going to do originally but i think that You know, as a DM, if I feel like, um, oh, how do I say it? Like, if I feel like I haven't, you know, it's not that I've done prep work, it's all out the window. It's like the key elements of my prep are just going to make it to the players in a a, a unique way that I hadn't necessarily anticipated. But I think I highly encourage, like... All of the all of the thinking on their on on one's feet, and I also as a player delight in failure, like yeah. I delight in trying things and having them fail because the actor in me is like that is where that is where the good shit is that is where yeah. the like the <laughs> that's where the Shakespearean agony is. Yes. So if I'm deprived, if I if all my ideas always work, then I am like. Not having as much fun as if some of you know, I'm just gonna create wilder and wilder ideas (laughs) until I find something that doesn't stick, right? Exactly, so because it it just like uh, it's 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 different than the classic improv, like yes, and it's Mm. like it's like the delighting in the in the the no, but
0: (laughs) yeah, well, or at least like yes, you want to do that and. Gravity still exists so you're going to fall you know like whatever it is like <laughs> exactly. like the confirming it is like being like cool that's a crazy idea so it has crazy results but honestly the crazy results like you're saying right like you're going to get I have the- to tell you yeah, because you
1: brought up falling. I have to tell you an example from the high school. D&D please, group, okay. Please. So oh we've got, we've got our super overpowered flying fallen paladin character. <laughs> and then we've got like, just like the rogue, my friend Melissa from childhood. And yeah. she's playing, she's playing a rogue. And like in real life, she's kind of like, she's kind of get a, She's got a bit of a vibe going with this new fighter guy that yeah. we've introduced okay. to the party. And they get pushed off of a cliff <laughs> and, uh, and they're falling, but they happen in character to be flip- as they're falling ah. and so I don't splat them I just they take some bludgeoning damage but they don't they don't die and my power gamer is like why the hell weren't they just decimated that was such a drop you were so clear that there was no way forward and I was like I just I just made the call that the, the flirtatious role-playing was like really important to allow to unfold and it wouldn't have if they just if their only thing that they could do was scream in terror about their <laughs> impending demise." And and I will tell you, those two cats are married.
0: Wow, <laughs> you did that. That moment did <laughs> <And> it.
1: <laughs> I take full credit. I take <laughs> that moment you didn't bliss. kill their
0: characters. That moment you didn't kill their characters from falling damage. <laughs> that's why they're happily married.
1: Exactly. S- splat so all just, the way you into you
0: marriage. Just Matrimony. <laughs> you trust
1: your intuitive calls, you know?
0: Splat, splatrimony. Anyway, yes, yeah. Well, I think I think that's a really interesting thing to say is like trust. As a DM, trusting yourself to be like, no, I. this is what I want to happen here is a really interesting sort of like, yeah, yeah, they should be fine. And I can make sure that they are fine. Or in reverse, right, when a player wants to do something that you're like, I hear them giving me a reason it should work or like their sort of fantasy of why it should work. And I don't feel it should work. So I'm going to stick to my feeling, which I'm going to trust that they're going to respect is like has its eye on the story in some way. Right. Mm hmm. And that's a really cool sort of like very intuitive, like you have to trust your feeling of like what should happen here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. that's it. Yeah, so I think it's about great.
1: like just being clear on like what it is that's in the encounter that you've planned, that's relevant for them to experience. And you may have to deliver that experience differently in a different terrain at a different time yeah. than you anticipated. But that, There's really, as a DM, there's no reason that there's nothing... There's nothing stopping you from reworking. uh, Like, and when I say reworking, I don't mean... I don't mean that you got to go back to the drawing board for a couple hours. I mean, like, you get to be as on the fly as the players get to be. Mm. (laughs) With your, like, okay. Now this. Now
0: this. Yeah, I I think that's a really... That obviously takes a little bit of time to work up to to be comfortable with all the systems. But at the same time, I think what... Obviously, it's helpful to develop some knowledge of, like, cool, here's how monsters work, or here's how terrain works. You know, like, all the various elements of prep. Like, here's here's how to describe a room so the players know to interact with, right? Like, there's, so, there's that learning to do. But it, I think what you're pointing at that I think is really wise is, like, the most important header of everything is, like, what's the... I don't know if tone maybe feels like a bit of a reductive, but like, what's the experience you want to deliver to the players? Like, is it a moral dilemma about this? And then I have a bunch of notes of like how it comes across, or is it this sort of challenge, right? That they're supposed to deal with not having X, Y, or Z. And then their creative choices can help on getting, you know, not around fully that problem so much as it's like getting that experience more clearly.
1: So if you've set up like a, like a, i'm thinking like a war uh, an, a warlock in a cave or in a tower awesome. and they're meant to they're meant to storm the tower and confront this warlock and they're yeah. just like you know what's a better plan just we're not going to go there we're not going to go to the tower at all we're just going to go in a different direction we're going to follow a different lead to a different place well now that warlocks her scouts have seen that they've come within and she sets out to hunt them yeah and Second. they get like you know uh, so you still get to have either either then they, they they catch a scout and they go back to counter her or she will bring the fight to them. Yeah. So either way, they get the necessary dialogue from the warlock mm. encounter. It's just the you might you might be like, oh, I planned some cool like, secret doors in that wizard's tower that we're not gonna see yeah. um but you know like once they've just dis- once they've murdered her or whatever once they've taken her out of the picture they can then be like oh what about this thing that we could loot and then you still get to play your dungeon so just yeah the, just finding out what the quintessential piece that's needed is and
0: yeah.
1: having it evolve
0: yeah that's a, yeah, I think that is, that's a really good nugget of advice. Like, find the thing that's like, this is what's really important here. And then I plan the details around it so that those details can change, but I still get that core piece across. That's such a cool. And for sure,
1: it's a that. pain, like, when you've, like, really worked out the details. And, like, I think it just, I think that part just gets easier. Like, at first, it takes, yeah. a, like, especially, I just remember back in the day setting individual DCs for, Everything and thinking that I had to be like really well, this trap is a DC 16 specifically because, and and I, mm. yeah, <laughs> no, now I have like I, as a DM, I have all of my players core abilities in front of me on my DM screen and that's kind of where I set my DCs at based on like their abilities so that I can know if it's going to be challenging for them yeah. or if it isn't. And my intention is for it to, if it's to be challenging I'm like, well, they could probably get, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's also really helpful on a lot of the standard DM screens you get, there's um 5th edition has a like sort of standard stat block of like, oh, if it's supposed to be sort of like really hard to do, it's DC 20. And then mm-hmm. you can just sort of... And players that are, like, ex, have expertise in it, they're better at doing the very hard things, right? So you can often just sort of, like, follow that chart. And if they roll bad, they still don't get it. And, you know, like, you, there's still... There there have been sort of... I think a lot of these things have been sort of figured out. And then I think then afterwards, the story part of the brain kicks in, which it's sort of, like, I, I have found in prep, the thing to do is, like, figure out what... You figure out how little you can prep so that when the player goes to open the door, you maybe go, like, okay this should be easy. Give me the DC. And then if they succeed or fail, then the circumstances up to that moment supply the flavor text about like why the door was easy to lock or why it was hard to unlock, you know, like in that moment, based upon what's going on, my brain makes the quick connections about it rather than me having to sit there before any of it has happened and try to like plan all of that out. There's a, there's a goodness in trusting your inner improviser to just be like, Oh yeah, you failed at that because that lock is full of grease because it's, you know, I know that there's grease. So now there's grease in that lock and that's why it doesn't work or whatever, right? Um, those immediate connections often make much more sense than anything I would plan, I have found. Yeah. Cool. Let's, uh, let's talk, you know, speaking of locks and doors, let's talk about some hard edges. Like what's what's hard about switching from like being a DM for many, many, many years to being a player? Like what's it like to try to transition from like you were a DM since you were in ninth grade? Did you say Mm -hmm. all the way until for a very long time? And then you got to play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's hard about that switch?
1: So I guess that it doesn't feel hard for me, but I think it's, I've certainly had reflections that it's like difficult for other people.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you talking about? What do you say? What do you mean?
1: (laughs) Um, and I know that, what was it? I know, I tried to, so yeah, my I tried to follow up with my dad about that. He had a DM back in university and he was like, our DM made it for a terrible player. And I was like, why? And he was like, DMs just don't make good choices, players. Um, and I tried to get him to like comment on that, you know, but it's, it was 15 years ago and he didn't remember saying it and he went full no comment. So ah, I got ah. nothing. But, um, but I do think that there is this, quality of sort of seeing it's like once you've DM'd you're kind of constantly plugged into the bigger picture of the world. Mm-hmm. And this may not be true for everyone obviously, but sure for me it is. It's that it's it's this sense of what is possible based on what I feel like I have by trial and error and fire, been forced to learn what is possible. And so therefore I believe in this like very expanded realm of possibilities. Yeah. Um so I play with a I I think I I think I can be a bit of an unpredictable player. Mm. Um but relatively I'm also, because of DMing, still clocked into like the likely direction of the story and still deeply mm-hmm. invested in the unfolding of that story, which I think is just like my player style. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's, I think there is an element of, uh, I don't know if it's unearned confidence. Um, I certainly felt that in when I played Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! A game will humble you fast (laughs) if you think you're a hero. Um, Yeah. But I, I think that there's, there's, an innate kind of trust that that a DM can handle, just because I feel like I've had so much thrown at me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So then, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not literally stealing from the party. I'm not literally sabotaging yeah. the maps. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah, literally yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, actively working for an like. An, a rival faction to bring down our party. And if I was, it'd be fun. That, all of that sure. would be fun. Could but, be, yeah. um, but it, I, like relatively, I'm like, I'm not doing any of those things. So therefore what I'm doing must be within the realm of possibility. Um, and I think that it can, I think that it can certainly, I, I think I, I think I can make judgment calls with resources that are a little bit off because because I know, as a DM, I'd be like, "Oh, if, if one of my players did this, I would find an opportunity to give them a rest or a short rest." Because I'd be like, "Oh, you used up all your resources." So, therefore, the unearned confidence of going into something and using up all my stuff really soon on in the thing, being like, being like, "I know that you can make it," so that I can recover, um, which is like, you know, reading, reading your your DM and reading the yeah. reading the room and stuff like that. So, I yeah. think I think there can be some funny calls because you know how flexible the world is yeah that's gonna be like how flexible is your dm
0: totally yeah you never know and i i think one of the things i've i have always loved about your approach is that you're often very aware of like even outside of your character sheet things like you're you have your eye on like well, don't we have, I feel like uh, in one of the very early seasons of, he- very early arc of Helmuth, you were like, don't we have archers? Like, can't they shoot at these things? Which, like, is a, a really sensible choice and a way to, like, it, uh, looking back, I wish it had been like, okay, cool. All the small crabs are just getting shot by those. Like, that's being handled, right? Like, it's be or whatever. Like, finding ways as a DM to cr- creatively reward players attention to some of these more structural things is like sometimes a bit of a challenge because like it's like I have all these other things I want to do and you were like well wait there's all these people on the island right and I have to be like yeah there are there are yeah yeah that's true I don't disagree about any of the facts you're presenting like and that's true because you mention it and I go yes of course it is right so that's another cool element that I think I think comes from your being as maybe this is not true who knows but my sense is that because you've been a DM paying attention to not just like one character but like the whole system you're more ready to be like wait what's the what's the out of character out of my character sheet resource i have that has something to is important to this moment right um which like broadens the story a bit which i think i really admire and love and is like a really cool challenge as a dm to be ready to meet and reward
1: I mean, I definitely think that's an element of us playing dialect and building the world collaboratively, collaboratively, but I also see what you're saying, which is that I'm like, like the DM's mind is like, I'm looking down at the helm, and I can see where the people are, and I can see where the um, attacking lobster frog situation is unfolding, and we've already established that everyone has different jobs and different resources, so shouldn't there be like a mobilizing, like a a greater, yeah, yeah, or... I also saw my, like, little inner DM come out in one of our recent episodes where I'm, like, deeply in trying to investigate the fall of the Atlantar Empire. Because I'm trying to figure out, like, what is the very big, like, what are we encountering at sea? Like, what are we, like, what is the world that we are in so that I can maximize playing in it? Um, Yeah. Instead of sort of being a player that's like, well, whatever I'm told is what's relevant and anything outside that is sort of me mining for um descriptions of things
0: no it was i it fully intended i you know without without giving away any spoilers i fully intended the fall of the empire to be wound up in the main problem of that second season so it was it was interesting to ask after and i on it this is kind of the nature of how we record these uh these arcs, I often just don't have enough time to like prep really rewarding results from that. Looking back on those moments, I've often thought, like, oh, I should have because we ran the scenes from the spits were super episodic, right? I should have been like, what are you all looking into? Like, what are you doing with your downtime on these spits? And I could have like had you roll some history checks to see what you figured out, or you know, like, like, and so, but you were doing the right thing. You were like, these people experience it. I should ask them things about it, right? Like, I should talk to them. Um, and that was. A cool move um with with very interesting different it was a fun exercise as a dm to be in the perspective of those people you were asking because they don't have objective knowledge right as well just be like i this is what i witnessed and you get to like chew on that and think about these sort of like crumbs that you're getting which i think as a player i would also really enjoy to be like okay i'm getting this narrative and this narrative and this story and like what's the how do i make them make sense right um but yeah like how do
1: i give like a how do i give an adventure where i'm just trying to go eat sushi have political geopolitical relevance to the <laughs> world instead of just like my character yeah. <laughs> insulting patrick's cooking <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Your Basically character didn't insult his cooking ever you were very careful to be like I just want to go buy everything at the sushi stand. Don't think anything of it, Fat Joe. <laughs> Like,
1: like you. Well, no, good. I mean, good for her because her job is she's got an element of diplomacy that her low, low charisma yeah. should be.
0: Yeah, no, really
1: Employing. Good.
0: Yeah, um, but I, I think I think it was a really cool move, and I, but I just always think I think this is sort of the nature of D anD. d Is that it? You know, it's an improv game, and there is an. It seems to me there's an element of like. The players are looking for how they push the DM off of their like riding horse. So the, the DM sees the new options. The DM go like I I personally, in watching different kinds of Dungeons and Dragons, and when I'm really in the in the mo in the mode, when a player does something that really surprises me, it's always interesting. It's always like, oh yeah. Oh, oh, that's so cool. Like I do think there is an element of playing DD where you sort of want to surprise each other. To see the sort of results that it causes. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's an interesting tension to figure out how, where the, as you said, like, where are the edges? (laughs) What's going to stop me? (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I,
1: I think for me with being a DM and sort of carrying the like bulk of that responsibility, I think being a player, like what's really delightful for me is also really checking out of that. And also really just being like, cool, someone else is taking care of all these details. Like, while I may be curious about them and wanting to, like, flesh them out and wanting to, like, get a more grounded sense of, like, the empire and the seafaring ways, I, as a player, am really delighting in the fact that I don't have to care about the consistency of those things. And I don't have to, I don't have to know. And I actually have full permission to just be this, this rabbit Sort of sergeant, yeah, (laughs) this (laughs) military rabbit uh, in this in this world, and not to say that it then becomes everyone else's problem, uh, because it's not my intention to be a problem, but just there are certainly things where I'm I am not motivated by trying to throw the DM off or on because I'm just giving myself the blissful permission to not pay attention to what they might be trying to do.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Just following whatever's true for you. Right. And I think that's, I think that's great. And I think that's, that's what leads to really great moments where like connections are made that you might make a DM. Maybe it surprises them, but I do think they always have that when you're just really in the character, when you're just like, yeah, I just have permission to just be myself and role play this character in the world. That will lead to the moments where, I, as I've experienced, as I'm saying, I've experienced you many times where I go like, oh yeah, like that connection that feels like, almost like it's a calling back to something we already knew mm. but it's something brand new. But it's, it's me being like, that makes so much sense. That's cool, right? Like those moments are fun. Also, you're often I'm, disoriented.
1: <laughs> I'm also having a thought of going back on something I said to like flesh it oh. out a bit more. So okay. earlier when we talked about what to do when a character, when a, when, a, when a player character is saying sort of, no, my character wouldn't, wouldn't do that or wouldn't do yeah, yeah, yeah. that. And then what I said I did is I went into their backstory and sort of made them be part of things. Yeah. I think another tactic that's really useful is to say, okay, your character doesn't participate and then allow them to take responsibility for the fact that they've made a choice to say, hey... This I'm, this is as far as I go. The friendly arm yeah. in. This yeah. is it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll see the rest of the party later. And yeah. to allow them the agency to quit
0: ah, and
1: yeah. and sort of uh, to because it can become like a bit of a power struggle between being like I want you to play this game you don't want to play this game for this whole point of not playing the game that I made because you're more interested in like a meta subconscious sort of battle of wills and to be like I'm not that's not the game I signed up to play so if you're not interested in playing this game what do you do <laughs> like and to bring it back into the game world which is like i actually don't have to take responsibility for yeah. finding a reason to involve you i can if that's something that like that we're Excites on the same us, page yeah. with but right. i can also just be like okay so your character in having no interest in this story arc decides to go what meditate on a mountain or go yeah. hunt or what do you want to do and you get do you, you get robbed you
0: know, in the inn and you die. You get stabbed in the end. And you die. Okay. Well, I wouldn't want to be punishing. I wouldn't want to punish someone <laughs> oh, okay, for okay.
1: asserting their unwillingness right. to participate in something. That there makes can sense. Because like, there's so much opportunity for being like, yeah, actually, I think my my character needs to go tend to whatever, and then they can come back in again later. But yeah. you give the player the agency to say yes or no to whatever they want to, whatever they want. to to play with Um, and then you see you can see what happens maybe they really follow through on their no I'm not playing this and then you're like okay so we're gonna get another character written up until your your character decides to join the main story again or or they may find it within themselves to find a reason to play but I think to not be uh, to I think the, the human instinct the of being like, okay, but in real life, there's just five of us, and we're all friends, and we all really like your character. This is really cool. And like, it's kind of like the the wizard picked her spells based on the fact that you've got this great melee attack, and now we need you. Where you're just like, okay, like what can we yeah. do to sort of like...
0: <laughs> what, what can we do to support that desire you're articulating just, so that you know that we're not forcing you to do anything, we're just all trying to have fun together, and if this is what we're you want to do fun for you, and, cool.
1: And if it's fun for you to say, I'm not going on that mission, there's no reason why I'd put my life in, ri- in danger for the rest of the crew, because I'm, I am such a cool badass. I'm like, okay. Then, like, Walking Dead style, get on your motorbike and sail out for the season. And <laughs> we <we're>
0: got, like, <laughs> we got yeah, exactly. other people It's exactly like me. that, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my
1: god. Yeah. I'm also... As a DM, I'm the queen of notes. I love note passing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, like, you know, you don't get a lot with notes, but, like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, now with, like, laptops and texting, like, yes, I can use those tools, too. Yeah, send but, send a
0: Discord, send a Slack. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I do feel like there's all this potential for being able to, like, do intriguing, intriguing side side things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and that was the thing I also really loved doing back when I ran games was like if the party split, I kept them split. Whoa. But then, we were all friends, right? So like, but essentially, you know, it, there was a there was an understanding that if they split the party, you would get half the game. Yikes. Like, so half your game time would be just like hanging with your buds, but then you'd be called into the dungeon master's office, right? Yeah. <laughs> and. I don't know that I would recommend that style because a lot of people are very happy to be in the same room with a split party. Um, But I think the like, there's probably like an inner LARPer in here somewhere.
0: (laughs) Get in touch with your inner Um, LARPer.
1: So there's something, there's something about me that loves, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Yeah. And, and there, I think. Someone's got to
0: tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's a choice, right? Like, there could be it's a games. Call. It's a judgment call. If you're playing something that's, like, properly a mystery, and it's not so much about, like, if the player can say it, but the character needs to, like, be able to say it or something like that. Like, I'm thinking of, um, there was a game that um, one of the DMs I follow ran for another table where they were essentially way back in time from the world that the, the main campaign was normally in. So... All the players, regardless of whether they were all present for different things or not, knew that at the end of this story we're telling, the world is going to blow up. Like, there's going to be this, like, calamity that's going to happen. So it didn't matter, like, what was hidden from them throughout that little story that they were doing. Because they all knew, like, somehow our characters have to find out about what's coming. But we, we as players all already know it, right? And that's just, like, I'm saying that there are, like, dip moments where it makes sense to, like, send people away and they don't know what's going on. And there are moments where it, like, doesn't matter if they all know it. And that could be a really fun, like, oh, God, we all know what's going to happen, but we don't, we, our characters, don't know. You know, like, that could be, like, a really juicy sort of, like, tension to have around the table. And it could be a perfectly valid choice to be like, yep, you guys, you don't hear this at all and you have to try to meet up with them again to find out what happened right like all whatever's most fun is what's the right choice right like whatever is the in that moment like the most exciting for mm-hmm. everybody it's really and cool and i
1: think i think having players that trust trust their dm and also players that know that like like i think there are a lot of things that can happen out of game that can be like oh i didn't love this choice or i thought this could be different but my encouragement is for people to like take it in game and if your character like to have your character like, express their desires. Like, I just think the more that it... I don't know. I guess I think the more that it can be worked out in-game, the kind of clearer it is. Because a lot of the things are... are unclear things that are happening in the game. So my proposal is to solve them in the
0: game. 100%. We talked... Before we started recording, I want to, like, give a specific example of a moment where you and I were on different pages about something, and because we're in this hard edges corner and talk about well how I think, because I think it comes down to exactly that in terms of like resolve it in the game rather than out of the game, right? Like that's, I think that's the like compass point to keep in mind is like, find the way that this is happening in the game. So I'm giving a long preamble to this moment. Um, You actually brought it up. So I don't know if you want to explain. It was a moment where like we were on very different pages about how the I, not, I don't know how not how the game is played, but like w- what we were trying to communicate or what was going on. Um, so to, to close out this hard edges time, you want to share a moment where we really disagreed? Or and again, we, can you we remind made me?
1: I literally don't know which frog,
0: beach, uh, rune, dispel magic. Oh, yeah.
1: Sure, I wanted to cast dispel magic on <laughs> the frog hemoth that we encountered, and. Paul said to me, um, uh, the, se- the sequence
0: goes, you announced you wanted to cast it at th- fourth level, like one level up, right? Mm-hmm. I think. And I, you know, also a player at the table, but the DM know that specifically the way upcasting of dispel magic is worded is that it doesn't give you a benefit. If like, if it's a fourth level spell, it ends immediately, right? Which normally it's just a third. But if it's not a fourth level spell, if it's a fifth or a sixth, and I think in this case I ruled it was like a seventh level spell or an eighth, upcasting it gives you no benefit at all, which I tried to communicate to you that it was like you could just cast it at third and it's going to be this ability check or whatever. And that was not, it was not a useful way for me to say that (laughs) in that moment.
1: It's like if if someone, I mean, I think it's comparable to if a fighter pulled out their, they were like, I'm fighting with a short sword, but this, this calls for my two handed sword. And the DM was like, you're still not going to be able to hit. Uh It's like, it's like if I, me as a player, I'm like, oh, I'm going to cast this spell and my character is going to think like, let's give it some extra oomph. Yeah. Then I just want the experience of playing the character, trying to give her spell some extra oomph, and learning from the DM that it wasn't going to work.
0: Yeah. Was
1: just it absolutely took the wind out of my sails because I was like, she like, and and if I was a different kind of, if I was more of a power gamer, I'd be like, sick! I got insider intel from from nowhere. Like if yeah. Paul had said, like your, your your god whispers to you, like <laughs> a fourth
0: level upcast will matter. <laughs> will yeah. will not successfully dispel the. Fro- well so so this is my this is what i in retrospect sort of wish i had done which would have moved this whole conversation into the game right which is when you announce you wanted to cast the spell I should have asked, like, oh, do you want to do an arcana check or a, a spellcasting check to see if you know the level of this rune? Or, like, yes. something something along those lines, right? So that it would have been in the game that you could have played, like, trying to zero in on how much power you were up against, right?
1: Right, and, like, my question as, like, this DM player hybrid I am is, what do you care about me burning my resources? Like, what, what's in <laughs> yeah, it for you it to watch to your, like, question. watch your player try to solve your problem that you've set up and fail? Yeah. Because that's... that's that's the game you set up a task and i've chosen an action that isn't gonna like get there well to be
0: to be perfectly clear it was not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to fail it just wasn't going to change the role you made
1: yes burning the fourth level spell slot wasn't going to affect the outcome of the thing um still
0: not useful for me to say it in the way i did and, uh,
1: but i agree that like if there is an impulse where you're like i want my players to reserve their energy and reserve their resources because i want to draw out this combat before yeah. they have a rest or i want to draw this out so and i want them to feel um uh not down to the wire Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's yeah kind of, I, I would agree, like a reason to be like, uh, give me an Arcana check. And like, as a DM, you could just be like, get, like you, me, just, yes. you just get to give say me. things like, do this now. Tell me that, you know. <laughs> and then you can totally be like, you surmise. Yeah. And I think it's so important to deliver information to the player characters through their through the avenues through yeah. which they have them, so that you don't feel like, like, uh, I don't know, there's a thing... Because uh, otherwise you're like you're like Navi, right? Like you're like, hey Link, listen, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Tutorial are you the pop DM? up?
0: <laughs> Tutorial pop up, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like
1: yeah. I'm, like um, you know, or if like, hey, listen. <laughs>
0: Sorry, <laughs> it's just a good. I can't get it <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> <Just now>. distracted.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like because like I am. It's, and and then it's also it's also challenging to just be to just tell people that they're using their abilities wrong, that they're using their like sort of things incorrectly, or they're not interpreting how to use a spell accurately. Like that's that's a different that's that's still v- valuable. But I think it, it, there's an there's an element of trial and error that mm-hmm. I think is important to give players. Yeah. Uh, so that um, this is an example I was talking about um, with Paul before we were recording about what it's like to play pandemic with my brother and my brother being like a computer engineer uh programmer and chess wizard it's not fun to play pandemic with him because he knows the best move yeah. for your character you're like the helicopter should fly here and you're like well i want to go to lagos and he's like that's not strategically useful you need to go to miami and yeah. and just the sort of like the, the way that me as a player where agency I think is a big part of being a player whereas like agency is like less my focus when i'm a dm like it's not about my own personal expression of my avatar having agency in a world when i'm a dm being a dm is about um, facilitating an experience for my players where the things that i know that they love to do they are getting to do and they're getting to do a lot of it or they're getting deprived of it so that when they get to do it then it's super fucking fun yeah um but as a player, it's all about my sense of agency. So that was a moment where I was like, but my sense of agency, I'm yes. like casting my spell at a higher level. Like, right. I just I just want to try and fail. Just let me try and fail yeah. so that I can then learn from my failures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. But not no. every player is going to have these, like, <laughs> not every not, yeah, player not to every... be like, no, I need to be a toddler <laughs> in your world and try yeah. to, well, to topple it, things over. Well, or, Otherwise, I mean,
0: there's, there's also players that, like, like, I, I fully agree. I think it's usually better to, like, deliver the information in the space and, like, really reward players, like, trying things, right? Then there are times where I've had players at tables go, like, I'm sorry, what can I do? I don't know. Like, this mm. thing. Like, I, this, like, fully shut down, go, like, it's made of metal. I don't know what to do to it. And I'm like, well, you you, you have a gun. You can shoot it. Or you have a this. You can this it, right? Like, um, I, I, I think um, specifically I'm thinking of that moment when the, the metal lobster came up in the, the crab mm-hmm. fight. I think there was a moment where I, I, one of the players, maybe it was Quimaris, was like, What do I do? It's made of metal. And I had to be like, You know, you have your abilities. Like, look at them and, and pick one. Like, don't worry. I haven't put, you know, I just, I don't think I said it this way, but sort of giving the like, cho- choose to do something. Like, don't worry. Like, pick something. <laughs> right. Like, sometimes players need that, like, it's okay. <laughs> right. Like, do something. Um, and think, like, yeah, both, both it's things are such necessary. A sometimes. Curve yeah.
1: To get into like what is to get into like what is possible and I think there it's 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 like learning to I don't know, contra dance. Yeah. Which is something I was recently subjected to. Um <laughs> but just like <laughs> the sense of of being like, it's dancing. I know what dancing is, so I know what playing a game is, but there's clearly things I'm supposed to do and clearly things I probably shouldn't do and like what are the stakes. Right. So I think when a player is really new and is asking like I is sort of looking at something and can't imagine how they could possibly be equipped because they're, they're still sort of learning who they are
0: as the superhero. Yeah. Um, That's a very different, and I think, yeah. and it's,
1: it's hard. I've been in that position a couple times where I'm like, well, you've got your abilities, you've got your attacks. And at this point, like, attacks are like an afterthought for me as a player. Um, like, because mm-hmm. I I really love terrain. And as you know, I love being like, don't we have archers? Like, don't we have backup? What's the tide doing? Where's the moon at? And how is everyone feeling? Are we well fed? Like, do, so I'm just like, I know I there's an attack in here somewhere. There's something. And like, you know, D&D does come down to it. Eventually you are yeah. going to use your polearm, rest your feet and yeah. like, bop something on the nose um but there is it's that is a hard i have not found a way to sort of um engage people with that element i think that that comes just with practice and with learning what you can do and trying things that fail yeah and feeling i think feeling like it's safe to fail is also something that's really beneficial to cultivate as a dm that, like, if you do something that's a risk, like, sure, there might be a little bit of punishment, but it's not like re-roll a new character. You should not have tried to leap off that yeah. X, Y, Z.
0: It's a space where failure is possible, but it's, as you said, safe to fail. <laughs> like, it's okay, it's going to yeah. be okay. Explore.
1: And no one's going to be mad at you. No one's going to be like, you let the party down! Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's yeah. going to be like, like uh, yeah, I think playing, it's like, it's an experience of playing with stakes and deciding what you as a group, what level of stakes do you enjoy? Mm. And I find like different, I've had different DMs. I find my DMs that that veer towards horror love a higher level of stake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my DMs that lean more towards like sl- more slapstick sort of things, the stakes are going to be lower, um, but there's kind of, uh, but it means that people can pay less attention during the game. Yeah. And that is really conducive in my, in my, when I'm, when I was playing with coworkers, it wasn't, the focus wasn't to play a great D and D game. The focus yeah. was to like unwind, decompress from work. And also this cool thing was happening,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. which is <laughs> so, still very valid, still very good.
1: Yeah, it's they're all they're the different levels of stakes. I feel like when everyone's like, "This is what you want to have happen," it's like they're telling you about what they enjoy Mm -hmm. in like uh, like what level of risk analysis and cause and effect they enjoy in their pretend world.
0: Which is yeah, I mean, this all boils down to like talk to your tables, like have clear expectations about the stakes, the risks, the dangers. You know, like make sure that everyone knows. And as you said so that they can trust that they're playing a game and that it is a place where what they're doing is supported by the group and will be supported because they have a shared understanding. And that's 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 really great. And I, um, I can't really think of a better piece of advice to sort of leave this off-watch chatter on. I, <laughs> um, do you have any other moments you wanted to talk about or any other um, nitty-gritty or more abstract pieces of advice you wanted to give before we wrap this up?
1: Looking at your little, I'm looking at your little questions. You were gonna ask me. Uh, I like this one. What's your favorite D and D class, and why <laughs> is it cleric?
0: <laughs> that's pointed. That's pointed right at you, Claire. <laughs> so that's pointed um, right at you.
1: <laughs> so that's not playing a cleric is maybe not advice that I would give. But sure. like, I think, that, uh, I think that, I think that, I think that. In playing a cleric, so like in the D&D game I ran in high school, no one wanted to play a cleric. (laughs) And so as a DM, I created an NPC cleric. And I think having a very involved NPC in the game was like a very pivotal um, piece of information about how I play as a player. Which means that, you know, I had an NPC that was equal like equally a player like I fully had she had a turn she had a like in every combat and people weren't like oh what's the NPC doing like she was my player player character while I was DMing yeah and I feel like taking on the role of cleric was about taking care of the party and it was Mm. probably my way of inserting like I may fuck you all up but don't worry (laughs) I there's a cleric so. in there. <laughs> Maisie the river rat who mm. will he, who will run around with some heal spells so um, I think being a support character is a really uh, really great way to be an NPC if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a DM, Having your having an NPC in the group that isn't like, I'm a super bomb-ass tank. Look at me take the hits. Like, look at me fight the fight. Like, because at that point, you're just playing against yourself. Yeah. So, so, like, I think if you're going to be, like, a DM with a needed NPC filling a niche. Again, this isn't so much a th- of a thing in 5th edition. It doesn't seem to require all the classes in a balance mm-hmm. like it did with 2nd. Um, yeah. But if you are going to fill a, a niche that isn't, Occupied. I think being a support character is a really great way for a DM to put themselves in the group, to keep building that trust that, like, while they may be playing the role of certain antagonists, they are also part of the party and buffing you and healing you and whatever else, or, like, casting big old spells. yeah. Um, And I think Mm. it's really interesting that my brother also loves playing clerics. (gasps) And I think that that's, like, a fascinating thing from both of us having to be the DMs in order to keep playing games. Mm. And and finding that we just love playing these support characters that don't, yeah. you know, they can take, I mean, anyone can take the limelight, but like, <laughs> like they, it's a bit different than being like a bard or the being yeah. like a, a druid or a ranger that all come with heal spells as well. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Mm. So, yeah, I think I just love, I think I love playing clerics because I just love seeing my friends excel at whatever it is that they're trying to do that day mm-hmm. with, their characters and i feel like clerics are just like uh, secret backbones
0: yeah they're just good good at helping people do those things for certain yeah Mm. absolutely i love that cool well everybody get out there i you know let's see it let's let's see everybody play clerics i think they're great and i think you play (laughs) you play a great cleric in our uh our main feed and i uh Although you're, in the time of this airing, we're sandwiched in between some very rough times for Roan, so we will see <laughs> she's how she does. A
1: crisis. I'm pretty sure she's having a crisis of um, <laughs> faith and...
0: <laughs> yeah, she's having... <laughs> it's great. It's very good. It was good. so
1: much fun to play. It was so delightful to play.
0: It was, it was really fun, and I can't wait for everyone to listen to it, so... Um, with that, yeah, please make sure you listen to La Propos. We're, you know, we're in the middle right now of of uh, arc two. Uh, middle. We're near the end of arc two. Only, uh, I think, like three or four episodes left of arc two before it all wraps up with whatever will happen with the All Seer. Um, so that's what I have to plug. Claire, you have anything you want to plug? Cool. You know, I got, I
1: can't think of anything else. If you happen to be in the sort of holistic coaching wellness industry, and you want to hear me tell some stories. I guess you can always check out my business, Clarity Time. Uh, mm. But it's a bit of a it's a bit of a leap from my gamer self. But you mm. know, I'm a full multifaceted person with a bunch of hobbies. So that
0: you are <laughs> hobbies and professions. You you have many many of all. Uh, the jack of yep. all trades, in a certain sense. Um,
1: yeah, that or take the train, and maybe I'll see you there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just on any train, anywhere, hop on, and maybe you'll see Claire.
1: Specifically, the Canadian in Canada. <laughs> take the Canadian.
0: I like it sort of we'll vague, to sort of like, get on a train, and maybe you'll see me.
1: <laughs> it's literally, my train is called the number one and number two. Wow,
0: that's I there, there are is.
1: 700 trains. I'm on number one and number two.
0: <sighs> wow. So
1: take the number one or two
0: and you'll find Claire Hogan you might she might be there Um, (laughs) well hopefully
1: I no sorry carry on no hopefully
0: yeah go on go on go on oh no hopefully by the time time you're listening
1: to this I have like fully quit and I no longer need a day job because I just get to be a nerd on the internet and you make modules
0: Claire you're gonna write modules it's gonna be awesome let's you know we'll chat about that later it's gonna be great Mm -hmm. Um, well oh look at the time our uh time for us to head back on to watch thank you all so much for joining us and we'll see you up on the weather deck bye 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 for now This has been mean and Imply productions i'm mean and i'm imply well you're pretty mean too what are you implying